Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Goodbye baseball, a walk-off winner for Mitch Hanniger. Swing, line drive, this game is over! Goodbye baseball, Mitch Hanniger ties it up here in the bottom of the ninth inning. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. And welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being here. Sorry, this one is coming out later today than planned. I had some internet to my room in New York, and so I just had to wait till I got to the ballpark today. So I'm recording it on Monday. Today's Monday. And so it's coming out later than I had planned. So sorry about that. Wednesday is hopefully normal, although hopefully... Hopefully I'll have the internet issues figured out before then because I kind of need it the next four days. So that's where we're at. This should be a good one. We'll talk uh, briefly about the Cleveland series. Coming up, you heard a piece of the Felix conversation with Shannon uh, part one a couple days ago. So I'm just going to replay the whole thing, part two, part one, and part two together. So you may have heard a piece of that, but you'll hear the whole thing in this podcast. Also, we're going to check in with the West Virginia Power, David Kahn, their play-by-play guy. He's been able to watch Kelnick all year and Julio Rodriguez and Logan Gilbert and that whole cast down there that has really opened a lot of eyes. It's been fun to watch from afar. He's had a chance to watch them every day, so he gives us the insights on the power. That comes up in a few minutes as well. Tough weekend for the M's as they drop two of three, but end on a good note by winning the final game. A weird year against Cleveland when it's all said and done. The Mariners 1-5 against Cleveland this year, but they end up with a plus-3 run differential. A ton of close games. Cleveland able to find a way to get uh, just about all of them, all the close ones anyways, until the Mariners busted loose in the game yesterday. And it was one of those it just felt like they really needed, and it was from the first inning – Jay Bruce, a grand slam to get things cooking in the first. Runners their leads, and again, the 2-2 on the way. Swing and a well-hit ball deep into the gap in right center field. Going back as Luplo to the one, he tracked to the wall. Get out the right, Brandon Mustard, Grandma. It is grand salami time. Jay Bruce with a grand slam clears the bases. 
here in the top half of the first inning, his 11th home run of the year, a 4-0 Mariner lead, and for Jay Bruce, his eighth grand slam of his major league career. They were cooking, and the offense kept churning. It's a swing and a drive deep to left field, and this one isn't coming back. Way out of here. Goodbye, baseball. Edwin Encarnacion with a blast into the big bleachers in left field. His 10th home run of the season. It comes with Vogelback aboard. It's now the Mariners 8, and the Indians nothing. Holy smokes. What a shot by Encarnacion, a home run yesterday and a home run this afternoon. 8 nothing. Mariners lead the Indians. Cleveland starter Cody Anderson can't get out of the first. Meanwhile, Mariners starter Eric Swanson, his best start in the majors. How about six innings of one-hit ball? No runs, three walks, and three strikeouts. He stole the show, but also a first in this game as well. Braden Bishop, his first major league hit. The pitch on the way. Swung on line drive, base into the center field, and there it is. Braden Bishop, his first base hit in the big leagues off new pitcher Dan Otero just into the ball game. Jumps on his first pitch, lines a single into straightaway center field here at Progressive Field on this May the 5th of 2019. They take that ball out of the ball game. Congratulations, kid. Braden Bishop, you got your first base hit in the major leagues. Way to go, young man. He goes two for four in the ball game. Mariners win big 10 nothing. Why don't we hear from Eric Swanson, his brilliant start? Yeah, I mean, warming up in the bullpen, um, my, my secondary stuff wasn't where I wanted it quite be found it warming up before the first inning out there uh felt good with it and just kind of progressed throughout the game the only real trouble you came into was in the fourth second time through the lineup how did you reset after those back-to-back walks yeah i mean i knew in that situation um i could give up one the second one wasn't wasn't ideal um just try to attack the zone and, and get some weak contact Eric, how'd you go to work after that last start? You look like, okay, there's some things that you knew you wanted to work on, too. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it was eliminating the 1-2-0-2, the oh, you know, pitches right down the middle. Um, you know, the pitches that, that should be putting away guys that, that I'm not. Um, that was kind of my main focus going in today. And then, you know, having one of my two secondary pitches really working. When did you realize you didn't allow a hit? had not allowed a hit. Like, were you cognizant in the fifth or the sixth when you walked out of the sixth? Um, yeah, I mean, I knew I hadn't, um, you know, especially after a couple of good plays made behind me by Bruce and Moore. Um, I knew, kind of looking back at those, um, you know, that I hadn't yet. Um, wasn't thinking about it too much. I mean, I was in the sixth inning. Had a long game, long game, or a lot of game left to go. And, uh, you know, I was, I was at a lot of pitches. I knew that, so... It seemed like they did foul off quite a few pitches on you at times. They just kind of drove your pitch count up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I worked a lot of deep counts today. Um, a couple at-bats where, where guys guys worked, um, you know, a lot of pitches in on me, and, and that's what got my got my pitch count up there. You spent some time here growing up. Did you have a lot of folks here at the game today? Uh, yeah, I did, actually. Um, you know, my parents came up from Cincinnati, and a couple buddies came up from there as well, and then... Uh, my dad actually drove up from North Carolina, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Was that a matter of, okay, I know they're out there. Did you have to put that out of your mind, or was it neat to know that? Um, not really. I mean, I knew they were there, <laughs> but it's, you know, not something I'm, I was paying attention to throughout the game. Um, but after the game, talking to him, pretty special seeing here, so. 
gave up the double to Ramirez, and you were able to kind of reset and make sure you get out of it clean. And how important was that to you to end it clean? Yeah, I mean, I definitely wanted to get through that inning. Um, I knew that was probably going to be my last, and I wanted to get through it clean. And, um, you know, Paul came out and, and talked to him a little bit, decided to go change up there, and, um, you know, worked out. So Mariners get the win against Cleveland. Now it's on to New York to face the Yankees for four games starting tonight. This is going to be a fun matchup in game one of the series. CC Sabathia, Felix Hernandez. It's hard to imagine you could cram any more strikeouts between two guys into one start. CC Sabathia just crossed over 3,000. He's 17th all-time, 3,002 strikeouts. Felix Hernandez, 36th all-time. 2,496, he can cross over the 2,500 barrier in this ballgame. He'll be just the 36th pitcher to do that. So just historically, a really fun matchup here in game one of the series between Felix and CC Sabathia. Tuesday, every start, by the way, at 335. Tuesday, Marco will take on Tanaka in game two of the series. Kikuchi against Pitcher to be named, James Paxton going on the DL, so he will not face the Mariners. And then leak again against Hap in game four of the series on Thursday, then off to Boston coming up this weekend. We have another podcast coming up on Wednesday, so we'll talk to you about both those games played here in New York. So until then, with Felix pitching, why don't we hear from Felix the entire conversation between Felix Hernandez and Shannon Dreyer. Shannon Dreyer in the clubhouse, catching up with Felix Hernandez. And, Felix, it has been, other than one start where you weren't feeling too well, fantastic watching you. I was sick. You were I'm, sick? I was sick in Kansas City. You were not a happy puppy in that trip, not at all. Well, it was my birthday, and I couldn't believe it. I was so sick. I mean, it was a worst birthday. <laughs> I think you said that, worst birthday ever after. I think yeah. we've all had one of those. Yours a little bit different, but, hey, that's behind you, yeah. and... Uh, what we're seeing this year are just good results. And you keep insisting that you don't change, nothing has changed, but the results have changed a little bit, and, and you know why. Well, definitely the results have changed. I mean, last year was a, it was a fourth year of my career, and I was just a little frustrated. I mean, I was lost in my confidence a little bit, but this year I've just came out doing my thing, just fixed my mechanics, trying to go straight to the play. Not living in the middle of the place like I did last year. That's why I was getting so hurt. Uh, and I'm trying to come at my fast one mixed with all my breaking balls. So that's the key right now. Why were you in the middle of the plate last year? I don't know. It was a mechanic problem. I'm just, I mean, like I said, I was not right in my mind. And how'd you find the right mechanic? Working. I mean, I mean, working every day, trying to do what's going to help for me to be successful and that was the key. I work in the offseason a lot, too, so. What did you work on in the offseason? Everything, my mind first. Okay. Yeah, my mind. I was talking to some doctors, and you now we talk about it. We still talk about it every day, and then that was the, that was the right move. Just be confident again. Just go out there and compete against anybody, and and you know you're going to be good because you got good stuff, and that's what happened right now. Obviously, that's different for you. You haven't had that kind of major struggle before. No, it was, like, it was my first time. It wasn't my first time. That's why I was so frustrated because I couldn't get out of that. Mm-hmm. But I definitely talked with some right people, some good people, had a good conversation with my family. So they believe in me. I believe in myself again. Mm-hmm. And that was the key. Are there things you said you were talking to, to some people? Are there, like, keys that you have or just kind of 
things that you go through every day it just was, to make sure you're there? It was things that I go through every day, things that I have to do to, you know, just like he told me, like my guy told me, you just play happy to play good. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm having fun. That's good to see that. We see that, too. I mean, we've seen that throughout your yeah, your yeah, my whole career, except for last year. I don't know why, but except for last year, I don't know why I lost my confidence. I don't trust myself, but now I do. And I think I believe that's the right thing to do. I think one of the things we saw you kind of fight last year and try to battle to get through was just having better command of that sinker, and it seems like you can really put that where you want to. Right? Yeah, right now, definitely. I mean, that's the key. I mean, with that sinker, back door, front door, and I had a good curveball, good change. I had my change back. Now I'm throwing some sliders that are pretty good, so I mean, I'm happy. I keep looking in and seeing a couple more sliders every week, and I'm like, he must be feeling good if he's throwing that. <laughs> yeah, definitely feeling good. I mean, now I trust it because uh, last year I didn't throw it. And when I throw it, was in the middle of the play, and uh, I was getting hurt with that pitch a lot. But now I'm, I'm trusting that pitch again. You never seem to want to talk about that curveball, and it's very good. What finally convinced you that I, that is a pitch for you? I, I had a good curveball for a long time. Well, for my whole career, I couldn't. Because, you know, if you go through my whole career, at some point that I, when I started my first year, I was fastball, curveball, but I was throwing hard, and I used a lot of my fastball. And then since 2009 to 2014, it was fastball changeup. Right. And, you know, to distribute all those pitches was going to be hard because I was always going to use my changeup because I was the, that was my key pitch. Right. But now I have to use everything because I don't have that plus fastball. I got good curveball. I got to throw everything. So That gives them a different look, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, trying to come in both sides of the play, curveball up and down, sliders down away. So that's what I'm doing right now. You never seem to want to talk about that curveball, and it's very good. What finally convinced you that I, that is a pitch for you? I, I had a good curveball for a long time. Well, for my whole career, I couldn't. Because, you know, if you go through my whole career, at some point that I, when I started my first year, I was fastball, curveball, but I was throwing hard, and I used a lot of my fastball. And then since 2009 to 2014, it was fastball changeup. Right. And, you know... To distribute all those pitches was going to be hard because I was always going to use my change up because I was the, that was my key pitch. Right. But now I have to use everything because I don't have that plus fastball. I got good curveball. I got to throw everything. So That gives them a different look, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, trying to come in both sides of the play, curveball up and down, sliders down away. So that's what I'm doing right now. I heard a couple of people mention that you did look at the numbers on the curveball. You did look at the Rapsodo on that. What did you learn from Yeah, that? well, I don't, I'm not a computer guy. I'm not a video guy. You know, but we talk about it in the spring training about, you know, all the numbers and all that stuff. That I got the plus curveball. That's my swing and miss pitch that I have to use a little bit more. And it was hard. I try. Mm-hmm. But I can't leave without a curveball. Like, my whole game. I just got to throw everything. So, so, you know, have a success. If you got a good fastball, the curve is going to be way better because I can throw a good fastball and they don't know what they're going to look for. Right, right. And we're seeing that. The reactions were pretty yeah. pretty good last yeah, night. Yeah, Every yeah. time you see a guy on a knee yeah. taking a swing and it's not Adrian Beltre, that's a good exactly, thing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, when Beltre's on the knee, he's hitting homer. So okay, that's, that's a bad thing. Yeah, that's a bad thing. <laughs> 
Hey, I want to just kind of get into your experience here a little bit. And there's so much talk about what hitters are doing. And it, it's kind of a chess match between the pitchers and the hitters always. But how do you look at the launch revolution right yeah. now and what a pitcher has to contend with? I don't know. I mean, baseball has changed a lot. I mean, fans are looking for runs. Fans, they're rooting for homers. Fans, they're not looking for strikeouts. Fans, they're not looking for pitch to throw semi-shutout innings. They just want runs. That's what the key now is the hitters, they just, the launch angle, they're trying to hit homers. I mean, that's what they pay now, homers. And what do you have, what do pitchers have to do to, to counter that? Uh, What's their defense? Just not throw with the launch angles and swing it. <laughs> <laughs> not throw it there. I mean, just got it up and down, down and away. You don't miss, like, if it's a lefty, it's like middle in, that's what the launch angle for them. Are there more places on the plate that are not safe anymore for pitchers? Oh, yeah, definitely. Ooh, a lot. And especially strike zone is a little, little, little tight. <laughs> so you have to be that much better right now. You have to be, uh, you have to be first of all, smart and perfect every game that you go out there and pitch. And a little bit more up, too? More up, not down. It used to be down when I came up in the big oh. leagues. It used to be down, down, down. Now it's the drop on top of the song. How much of an adjustment is that? Uh, I mean, I'm the kind of guy that I don't do that because I throw a lot of strike. I couldn't, you know, I live it in the strike song. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm, you know, got to make some adjustments. You got to do it if you got to, you know, if you got to keep playing. Lastly, I've heard that Omar and you are working very well together. What has he brought to your game? I mean, I start struggling a lot because he's a, uh, He's a smart guy. He likes to work, and he likes to, you know, do things good during the game. So, I mean, we click. We click. I throw him because sometimes I don't shake. If I shake, sometimes I get hurt. But, I mean, we click. He's doing a pretty good job. He's a smart guy. He's talking with, the, you know, all the guys here, the data guys. So You let him handle that? Yeah, I was like, you know what, just go out there and talk to them. I don't want to be involved in the meetings. <laughs> And it works, so that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it works. That was, well, we did it because we don't do – he got a meeting with the guys in San Diego. I wasn't there yet. Right. And it was like, yesterday, it was, hey, let's get a meeting. I was like, no, we don't talk in San Diego. Just go out there and you talk yourself. That's your superstitious no, part yeah, of it. Yeah, that's, that's my part. <laughs> You'll go in there if you have to. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie, tell us something about – we are still getting to know him. Tell us something about him. He talks a lot. That's why. I never shut up. That's the one thing. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's a loudmouth guy. Oh, yeah, a lot, a lot. <laughs> well, you can handle that. Felix, yeah. thank you. No, you're welcome. And it's time to chat with David Kahn, the voice of the power. Well, this is going to be a fun conversation as we get a chance to sit down with David Kahn, who's the broadcaster, the voice of the power. And there has been plenty of power. It is I mean, you have seen some incredible baseball this year. We've got to watch it from afar and enjoy it, but you get to watch it on an everyday basis. What has this year been like for you so far? You know, it's been an absolute pleasure just to watch the next Seattle Mariners come through West Virginia. They've been so much fun just to be a part of it, to tell their stories. Obviously, you have the guys like Jared Kelnick and Logan Gilbert and Julio Rodriguez that are superstars and are going to, you know, eventually find their way to Seattle as most people expect. But there's been other guys that have come in and really filled roles that you didn't necessarily expect them to do. When you look at the power pitching staff to start the year, 
Guys like Clay Chandler, you didn't expect him to be the ace. Well, he leads the league in ERA, 0.31. That's almost unhittable. So it's been really fun to just watch him and other guys that have been at this level before come back in a new league, a new area, and really dominate and also set precedent for the younger guys that have come in because we have a really young team, but these guys have played together in Everett and in spring training a lot, and they really have the chemistry that you don't see from a lot of clubs at the low-A level, and I think that's why we're off to our second-best start in team history. It's a great start, and let's start with Kalnick, who you mentioned. The numbers are overwhelming. I mean, he's batting 340. It's on British percentage, well over 400, slugging well over 600, homers, doubles. I mean, it looks like he is just tattooing the baseball every day. He absolutely is. He's on an 18-game hitting streak, including that suspended game we had in Asheville back on April 20th. It's the longest in minor league baseball by a game over a guy who was in the Mexican League and started off the year on a tear. He actually just surpassed that last night with a bloop double in the ninth to keep it alive. He's just an unbelievable talent. Uh, He knows exactly how to play the game of baseball. All five tools have shined this year. We've seen him gun down guys at the plate. We've seen his speed both in the outfield and on the base pads. His power has been unheard of. Six home runs already, 17 RBIs. I mean, he is just a almost mythical to watch, kind of like how Julio Rodriguez was before he went on the injured list uh, back in the middle of April. But Jared Kelnick is not going to be here very long. He's just too good for this level, and, and it's shown. Uh, I, I would be surprised if we haven't passed the all-star break. But, hey, as long as we've got him here, I'm going to enjoy watching him. He also he just understands the game of baseball really well. You hear him every night after the game dissecting every pitch, every at-bat, saying, I could have done this, I could have done that. And it's small tweaks even after he goes four for five, and you're just sitting there going, man, that's the mark of a future major leaguer. And it's a bummer that you mentioned Julio Rodriguez. He was off to such a great start. It's a bummer he got hurt. But, man, those two, that's quite a one-two punch you had going in the first nine games of the season. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Julio, you know, the the mark of Julio's uh, season with us so far, and we can't wait for him to come back, uh, he robbed a home run in Lexington, and I'm not kidding you. When the ball was hit off the bat, I thought our left fielder, Charlie McConnell, had the best shot at it, and so did the cameraman in Lexington. You can see it on MLB TV. Nobody thought Julio had any chance, and all of a sudden, this dart flashes to the right of my eyes, and there's Julio climbing over the left center field wall, robbing a home run, no big deal. And I talked to him about it, and he, he looked up and he said, no, I had the ball the whole time. And he just knows that he can get to any ball in the outfield, and the power is unbelievable. I mean, he, he hits baseballs so hard. It kind of reminds me of Eloy Jimenez, who basically, when I saw him in 2017 when he was in the Carolina League, he hit baseballs 100 miles an hour uh, every time off the bat. And that's basically what Julio did, whether they were lineouts to short or home runs over the wall in batting practice. I mean, he was so much fun to watch and he's such a great kid. He's really young, but he, you can tell that working with Kelnick too, those two are so close and all they want to do is get better. And Julio has said to me personally, you know, my goal is to play against the best and beat the best because I want to eventually be the best player there is. That's impressive. And speaking of impressive, you've got a chance to see Logan Gilbert so far this year. Uh, who's off to, a ridiculous start before getting moved up. Four starts, a, a sub-two ERA. What have you seen from Gilbert so far? So Gilbert actually was a bit of an interesting story, I think, for me to start the year. You know, his first start, it's his first start in the pros. Obviously, he had to deal with the injuries last year and the yeah. setback. So you didn't know what you were going to get out of him. You had all the hype. You had all the expectations. You knew about the, the increased velocity. The slider's really good. 
but that's all hype. You didn't, you wanted to wait to see it play out on the field. Well, it played out. I mean, his first start in Greenville, he may have only gone four innings, but those four innings were electric. He piled up the strikeouts. He was blowing guys away with his fastball. The slider was nearly unhittable. And really, I mean, Gilbert didn't get touched for his first 12 innings of professional baseball. And the only time he did was a home run uh, against uh, Augusta at home. And that was, you know, just kind of like, a, all right, fast, uh, you know, good power hitter hits a fastball out. That happens. But you could see he doesn't really ever get phased when he gives up a run. He just has the maturity of a major leaguer. And he's only had four professional starts, now five, as he made his high eight debut with Modesto. And even in that start last night, you know, he struggled against high A pitching, which the California League, as you well know, is a hitter-friendly league. But he battled back and got seven Ks in four and a third innings. I mean, that's the mark of someone who just knows how to rear back and dominate hitters, and that's what Gilbert does. I want to dive more into Chandler, too. The numbers are ridiculous. One earned run and five starts? I mean, how is he doing that? That's amazing. I, I don't know. <laughs> I really have no idea. He's, he is incredible. And I love his story. You know, he... he was out of Southeast Missouri State. He had one JUCO offer coming out of high school, uh, you know, from Kentucky, really laid back, really easygoing guy. Uh, but he's 3-0 with a 0.31 ERA, leads the South Atlantic League by a sizable margin in five starts. He is his last 19 innings. He hasn't given up a run. So he has really just decided that he is going to mow down this league. He was here last year. He was an all-star last year with Clinton in the Midwest League. So he knows this level. He knows the quality of hitters that he has to face. And he just attacks guys. He has five pitches in the arsenal, and that can provide a little bit of deception for pitchers on the mound. But he really can use every pitch, and he throws them anywhere he wants at any time he wants, and he gets outs. I mean, that's all he has to do. He's not going to blow you away, but he knows how to get outs, and that's the mark of a successful pitcher. Yeah, the numbers are incredible. 25 Ks, five walks. I mean, he's got – He's got it all going right now. Anyone else stand out besides uh, the headliners, the uh, the Rodriguez and the Kelnicks of the world? Yeah, absolutely. So there were a couple of guys. Uh, O'Neill Pena had a blistering start to start the year, and he's repeating the level as well. So, you know, I, I hope O'Neill Pena actually kind of stays here for the entirety of the year because I think one year at this level for the entirety of the season would do him a lot of good. He's in his third year converting from catcher to first base. And he's shown that he knows how to play first base. I mean, the stretches are great. He understands how to play the bag. The footwork's a little tentative, but he's still getting there. And then you look at somebody like Cesar Isturis Jr., who obviously, you know, major league background with his father and his uncle. And he went on a nine-game inning streak out of nowhere and all of a sudden became one of the more productive hitters in our lineup out of the nine hole. So that's been one of the more surprising things, just how good any piece of this lineup can be at any different point in the game. We've won games in so many different ways. We've blown teams out. We've won one-run games. You know, we're seven and three in one-run games this year. And we run a game last night or two nights ago on catcher's interference in the top of the ninth. And then we struck out and we did a strike them out, throw them out, double play to win it in the bottom of the ninth. So you just look at this team and you go, how are they going to win tonight? It's not, are we going to win? It's how are they going to pull it off? Because you never can count this team out of a ball game. Well, it's been fun for us to watch from afar, and I know it has to be fun for you watching every single day. This has been uh, great. It's the first time we've had a chance to chat, and I know it won't be the last time. I know we'll check in again soon. David, thanks for the insights. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah, this team has been so, so fun to watch. I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. You know, I think this team has a chance to contend for a title in the South Atlantic League, no matter who we've got, uh, with all the guys that have come up and already produced already. So uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the year, and thanks for taking the time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.